Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Back in the day, business people went into offices. No exceptions. But that is no longer the world in which we live. The way that we work has changed. We've had a massive disruptor. It is the disruptor of our generation. How is that space going to be used? Downtown Detroit was built for business. Can that be fixed? This is The Daily J. I'm Zach Clark. Downtown Detroit was in the middle of a renaissance when the COVID-19 pandemic hit. And while the city's downtown continues to transform, the big driver in the area has diminished, the office worker. The properties that we have left, I mean, we all know that the world has shifted during the pandemic. And something that happened is that the way that we work has changed. We've had a massive disruptor. It is the disruptor of our generation. How is that space going to be used? We have a downtown that was built not only in the office space for a different way of working, but we also have retail and first floor that depended on those office workers coming every day. So we need to be very proactive, strategic, act with a sense of urgency, and make a quick shift so that downtown Detroit can take this moment in time as an opportunity as opposed to waiting for our fate to be determined without any active input. That right there is the voice of Gina Cavalier. She's the director of the Business Improvement Zone for the Downtown Detroit Partnership. For the DDP, adaptive reuse was the theme of their fall forum earlier this week. Adaptive reuse is the practice of converting office buildings for residential or hospitality use. That fall forum, that's where I met George Barnes Jr., who owns Heritage Optical and Vision, a downtown Detroit business. And he's feeling those changes Gina described. As a business owner in downtown Detroit on Monroe, I see the effect because many offices, they're working maybe three days out the week. And the retail side, in which we're there five and six days out the week, it hurts us because we're losing the traffic. And so when you think in terms of my business, many persons, if they're not coming downtown, they'll go someplace else to shop. So we're losing that revenue that we used to have in the city of Detroit. So you need, no matter how you can get them, everyday people. They need to be either working or living so that they're in the area, so they go to places like you. Is that right? That's exactly right. We ourselves have to do a better job of trying to keep what we have, but... I don't think they're going to ever go back to a five-day work week. Even in our situation, 
My administrative side, they're not working in the office every day either. My retail side, of course, we're there every day. For what it's worth, the population of downtown Detroit is 6,600, which is up 25% since 2010. So what does adaptive reuse look like? I put that question to John Waller. He's the managing director of Ginsler Detroit, an architecture firm. And it's absolutely critical to who Detroit is, and so it's something that helps us compete against other cities. It's also something that the younger generations, millennials and Generation Z, look for. You know, it helps create a meaningful place and experience, and it's going to be critical for Detroit to reclaim its history through the architecture. One of the things you said in your presentation was crisis as an accelerator. There's no positive out of COVID. Millions of lives were lost. There is no but to this. It sounds like there was already some movement in this direction in 2019, maybe, and this just lit a fire under people changing the way they live and the way they work. Yeah, I mean, I think with all crises, right, like whether it was dot-com or the financial crisis or COVID, there are things that are sort of under the waterline. And when these things reach a fever pitch, they sort of accelerate some things that were already in motion. And I think we see that with where people choose to spend their time and ensuring that where they're spending their time is meaningful to them. While the adaptive reuse of buildings is a great way to preserve Detroit's unique architecture, it's not cheap. Back in 2021, a trio of Michigan lawmakers, both Senators Debbie Stabenow and Gary Peters, along with Congressman Dan Kildee, introduced legislation that would provide tax credits to help convert buildings. How important is it for the federal government or anybody to step up and fill in that gap so we can keep these beautiful buildings and find a new way to reuse them? Yeah, it's critically important. I mean, Detroit was really benefited by the fact that we didn't have enough demand when so many of the other cities around the country were tearing down their 1920s, 1930s beautiful buildings and replacing them with new buildings. We didn't have that. And so while we wished we had had the demand, the benefit now is we've got this wonderful architecture and this tapestry and this history. And so I do think it's incumbent upon us locally as well as the federal government to continue to incentivize strategic use and adaptive reuse of those buildings. And I think that will happen through things like this federal tax program. I also think it'll happen by the reduction of office demand. And so I personally believe that kind of demand and that kind of incentive will take place just out of necessity. That voice belongs to Eric Larson. He is the CEO of the Downtown Detroit Partnership. Buildings like the Book Tower have recently reopened as residential, and the DDP tells me eight more buildings are being flipped from office to residential. What about low-income housing? The Census Bureau says about a third of the city's population lives under the poverty line. Here is Ted Phillips. He is the executive director of the United Community Housing Coalition. What would always worry me about some of the plans like this would be, you know, the ability of the lower-income population to be able to be served. There's a number of projects over the years, and I've been doing this work for a long time. I've been director since 1986 of the coalition, worked in the Archer administration for a couple of years in public housing. And part of the problem with, you know, when we get into mixed income housing is that the mix is like 90 to 10 or 95 to 5 or something like that. And sometimes that can be problematic for low-income persons that are living there in terms of lease enforcement being a little bit overly aggressive towards that population and other kinds of things like that. So I put Ted's concerns to Eric the CEO of the DDP. 
I wonder if this expansion will allow for a diversity in financial backgrounds to find themselves in a nice place in Detroit. I think it will. I think there's a real commitment by the administration to make sure that there is affordability in everything that's getting built. There's also been a commitment to keep a lot of the really truly low income and senior housing in the core of our city where other cities would have converted that when those terms were due in terms of the federal funding and converted them to market rate. We haven't had that. Again, we've had sort of the ability because we've grown at a little bit better pace to make some smart decisions about how we're making sure that we've got affordability and attainability for everybody. It's not perfect. We got to keep our eye on it, but it is something that will be there. The term affordable housing is thrown around a ton, but often, according to Ted, that term is much more complicated than being just a blanket saying. The term affordable housing is associated with low-income tax credit housing, which is at the highest end, it's for 60% of the area median income. The area usually being used is a tri-county area. So if you bring that down to Detroit, I mean, that's unfortunately sort of the middle-income folks in Detroit, and that's not really affordable for many And it's not affordable for those folks on SSI, for example, $914 a month. You can't have six, $700 a month, which is a decent rent, but that's not affordable for somebody on SSI. It's not affordable for a family making maybe $1,200 a month or something like that. How do you get at that? I mean, more Section 8 vouchers where the rent and the utilities would be 30% of the person's income. You know, things like that would be ways to get at it or committing more of those to, you know, projects like what you just described perhaps would be a way of doing that. This drive to readapt office buildings into residential buildings is to keep downtown Detroit's balance. You heard George, the downtown business owner, say earlier, it's currently out of whack. But it's like my grandfather used to say, you can fix it until you break it. How do you guys balance out what you're doing? I look at the pipeline, there's eight adaptive reuse projects, but then I see things like hospitality, institutional, and transportation. You talked about putting all your eggs in one basket to balance out. You don't want to put all your eggs in another basket, right? So how do you keep that balance? That's a great point because you don't want to follow that pendulum swing because it always swings way to one side and then falls back in the middle. So what the partnership has continued to try and do is really Mm -hmm. focus on a balanced offering of product as well as uses in the downtown. And it's really combined between visitor, office, and residential. That also then starts to support the hospitality, the retail, all that. So We don't ultimately make the decision, the developers, the investors, and ultimately some of the policy dictates where some of those investments are made. But we do try and make sure that the data helps inform the resiliency and the stability in a well-balanced offering of product in the core of the downtown. Here is one thing I found interesting. John, our architect, told me that the average downtown population of a major city is 0.5% of the entire metro area. Here in Detroit, it is 0.15%. So Detroit certainly has room to grow. And with more buildings soon to flip, we'll likely see that number rise. But will everybody be part of that climb? Today's big thanks go out to Gina Cavalier, George Barnes Jr., John Waller, Eric Larson, and Ted Phillips. Check out WWJNewsRadio.com for the top local news stories on demand 24-7. Do you want that Daily J delivered right to you? Well, all you have to do is text WWJ to 20357 and you'll get it instantly. 
Message and data rates may apply. I'm Zach Clark, and this is The Daily J. Thanks for listening. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.